Welcome back to another episode of the Balcony Chatter Podcast. I am your host, Andrew McKenney, and today I am joined by just an absolute living legend, NHL player that has collected over 3,000 penalty minutes, and I did not say that incorrectly. I mean 3,000 penalty minutes. The Stanley Cup champion and one of the toughest players to ever lace up the skates in the NHL. Today I am joined by Chris Knuckles Nyland. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Andrew. Thanks for having me, pal. What's going on? Not a whole lot. I, I, you know, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about today, and and you know, it sometimes it's tough to figure out where to start. But I think that what we'll do is we'll start at the beginning. So you're obviously you're you're a, a Boston guy, um, and being from Boston, hockey is kind of like a very big deal around here, especially in you know the time that. You were you were growing up. There was players that made it very easy to be a fan of hockey. So, well, yeah, yeah. Well, the time I I was growing up, again, um, the Bruins were the biggest thing uh, as far as hockey and Boston. Yeah, right? uh, the major sports. Uh, there was competition there with the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics. Celtics uh, were winning championships. The Bruins in the seventies, they won those two cups. So. Uh, I, I became a Bruins fan in the 60s. I used to listen to games and uh, on the transistor radio up in my bed. Uh, <laughs> some nights I get to watch them on Channel 38. But, um, yeah, that, that's how it started for me. I became a fan of the Bruins. And then I was fortunate enough growing up in West Roxbury to um, <clears throat> eventually have a, a rink built at the end of my street, uh, NBC rink. And, and uh, it was built by Charlie Doyle. Uh, he was a local rep, not built by him, but he started a league. But Charlie Doyle was a local rep in West Roxbury. And uh, once that rink went up because of the Bobby Orr craze, um, the first league I played in was <clears throat> the Charlie Doyle League. So uh, wow. that's where it all began for me, right at that rink in West Roxbury. Wow, that's awesome. Who, who, was your, who was your guy growing up? Who was your favorite player? Well, growing up, you know, I was a big fan of the Bruins, but obviously Bobby Orr. Every kid in Boston at the time wanted to be Bobby Orr. Right. You know, uh, dreams of being Bobby Orr, flying through the air, scoring that big goal. Uh, but, you know, I liked um, I liked their attitude as a team. I liked the way they played. Uh, obviously, uh, Johnny McKenzie, Busick, uh, uh, Stanfield, Dallas Smith, Rick Smith, Don Ory. Um, you know, the whole load of them. And then Bobby Schmott, Terry O'Reilly, uh, Mattel, um, it just really, I loved the team. I just loved everything about it. I, I, <clears throat> I went to the Stanley Cup parade as a kid, um, and it was awesome. Uh, it was just awesome being a Bruins fan. Um, you know, I eventually went from the Charlie Doyle League to uh, play in the Boston Neighborhood Hockey League for West Roxbury, the Seaweeds. We won the championship one year. We got to go to City Hall and uh, Ace Bailey and uh, Rick Smith were the two guys there representing the Bruins. They handed out our trophies, and it was like it was just awesome for me. Yeah, uh, to be able to um, uh, you know just be so close to one of those NHL guys. It was cool. Yeah, like I said, I mean that that team, the 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 Bruins team, made it very easy to be a hockey fan. I mean, everybody had so much to to want to be like and so much to cheer for because they were just either you, they either were skilled or they were tough or they you name it they had it so they didn't make it very hard 
Yeah, no question about it. You know, they they had that. They had a, a skilled team, Esposito, goal scorer, Busek, and then they had the toughness to go along with it. And back in that era, the original six, um, you know, um, you played the same team so many times that uh, there was some some in-game rivalries. You know, usually rivalries are built in the playoffs, but when you play so many games in a short span of time against the same team, like we're seeing right now in the NHL, right. um, you tend to get under a guy's skin, and there are usually uh, uh, some little matchups that come out of that as far as guys getting under each other's skin and wanting to settle it uh, by dropping the gloves. And certainly the Bruins against the Rangers was a big one back then, the Flyers. Uh, so, yeah, it certainly uh, was a great time to watch hockey. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of brings me to, you know, you being a big Bruins fan growing up and being from Boston and, and all that, and then eventually end up getting drafted by their biggest rival. I mean, I'm sure that being drafted to just about any team is is a, any kid's dream, you know, but when you were drafted to Montreal, like, t- talk me through that a little bit, like when you found out that you were drafted and, and that you were drafted to them specifically. Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess I always wanted to be a Bruin. Um, I, I can't say it was disappointing. It was disappointing in one aspect, and the other, I was just so happy to be drafted. Of course, But yeah. again, just because you get drafted doesn't mean uh, that there's any guarantees that come with that. Now, that being said, the one guarantee I did have was uh, the opportunity uh, to go to a training camp in Montreal and yep. that was the one big thing that come of it so um, that was huge for me because it gave me an opportunity to um, show what I could do now my first training camp I didn't certainly do that much uh, I wanted to be uh, you know I wanted to play hockey I wanted to be a hockey player but I wanted to play like the Bruins I never fought in the ice really um, I was a physical player uh, but I, I I was coming in I wanted to make it as a hockey player and um, you know, I came my first training camp. I was pretty intimidated, certainly by the, the number of Hall of Famers on the ice, uh, the on the ice with all the guys that I actually disliked because they always beat the Bruins. <laughs> and uh, it, it was kind of a weird uh, dynamic, to be honest with you. But, uh, uh, you know, I got my opportunity uh, and uh, ended up getting sent to their minor league team. And I had a... a, a I went to training camp there. Then I got a five-game tryout. And that five-game tryout, uh, they were going to pay me $200 for every game I played. So I was happier than ever. I was happy (laughs) uh, to be able to be playing hockey. And I was going to (laughs) finally get paid instead of having to pay to play. Right, right. And um, that turned into, uh, you know, that first season in Nova Scotia. I only played 49 games. But my... Uh, we played two games at home uh, in Nova Scotia, which I didn't play. But the next game was in Maine. It was Philadelphia's farm team, and they had a really tough team, and they beat up on Nova Scotia uh, Voyagers the year before in the playoffs. And I came in, and I remember that game like it was yesterday, and I went and I hit a defenseman named Glenn Cochran, a big kid, tough kid out of Western Canada, um, uh, and he could fight. Well, 
when I hit him, he turned around and slashed me. I slashed him back. He dropped the gloves, and um, I hit him with a punch and cut him open pretty good. One of the punches I hit him with. And, uh, and then it got broken up. We got kicked out of the game. He went nuts trying to get after me. Anyway, the next day, uh, the general manager called me, uh, who was also the coach of the team, Bert Templeton, called me down my room at the hotel, and they said, hey, uh, do you have an agent? And I said, no, I don't. He said, well, you better find one because Montreal wants to sign your contract. Wow. And uh, I had a contract <clears throat> uh, five days later uh, from the Montreal Canadiens after that one fight. Once they saw that I <laughs> I was able to fight, uh, they wanted to sign me. So that was my opportunity. I got my foot in the door. I played half a season there, played 49 games. They're just over half a season, and, uh, you know, I put up some good numbers. I had 15 goals, 10 assists, and I had 304 minutes and penalties. I was fighting every night. You know, and then I got uh, the call. And that, that's, that's what I admire the most about your game is that there's not a lot of enforcers in the league that can say that they're able to score goals and make plays and, you know, make passes at the same time, you know. So it's something that I always – Whenever I'm watching highlights or anything like that, I always really admire about your specific game because, again, I mean, there's there's a reason that your nickname is Knuckles, but you can also make plays on the ice out there, and and it was something that really, I, I would imagine, would have helped just about any team that's out there because yeah, everyone sure. needs a tough guy, but they also need someone well, who can make plays. Yeah, well, it was, it was nice because listen, the Bruins had a bunch of tough guys and I don't know if I started in Boston, if things would have went the same, right? Um, uh, I came to Montreal. They recognized that, um, yeah, I could fight, but they also recognized I had some skill and they helped me refine those skills. They helped me work on those skills and they didn't want me to just be a fighter. They, they liked the fact I did that, but they right. wanted me to be that guy they could put on the ice. And I wanted to be that guy who could be an everyday NHL. And that's what I became. Now, I had a lot of help from coaches, Claude uh, Ruel, Bob Berry, uh, Jacques Lemaire, and certainly my line mates, Cabano and Ganey, two Hall of Famers. But, you know, uh, just looking at that job in and of itself, being a fighter uh, at that time, it, it was an extremely difficult job. I enjoyed it. But I don't think I would have been able to do it if I just sat in the bench and went out and fought and sat in the bench the rest of the game. That happened early in my career a little bit. Not a whole lot, but it did happen. And I wasn't too happy about it. Yeah. And uh, I, I realized quickly that if, if that was the way it was going to be, I wasn't going to be having fun. But I had no problem doing it you know, as long as you let me play. But... I also had to keep up my part of the deal and be able to be put on the ice. Right. And I was, I was able to eventually be on on the ice in any situation, which um, I take great pride in. Satisfaction. Well, and that that's what's great. I feel like being able to go out there and be a well-rounded hockey player must have given you more confidence than just being the guy that goes out there, sticks up for his teammate. And you know, the more that you contribute, must have made you feel better about your skill and about how you could play. And, and like I said, I mean, it's definitely something that I've admired watching, watching your highlights and everything like that. 
Yeah. Well, again, it it, it certainly helped me uh, in my career to be, become that player because, like I said, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Uh, you know, 13 years of sitting on the bench and right. You know, go out, get in a fight, and come back and have the seat. I wouldn't wouldn't have went over too well. So what I do want to ask you though is, you know, obviously you never shy away from a fight. You never shy away from being that guy that sticks up for any any and all teammates out on the ice, not letting anyone take liberties against you guys. But how did you get into that mindset all the time to be able to to be that guy? Because, you know, there's been enforcers in this league that I've heard about or or listened to interviews where they talk about how they they can't sleep the night before a game. They can't eat. They can't anything. But it never seemed to phase you. It kind of seemed like that was just that's yeah. that's just who you were, and you were born to play that role. Yeah, I mean, I was that way growing up. Um, I was that way with my family members and friends, and my teammates for sure. I was that way, and I could sleep just fine the night before games. I could sleep like a baby the afternoon of a game. Uh, now, when I got to the rink. And I used used to get there very early. I'd get there at four o'clock for an eight o'clock game or seven thirty game. Um, uh, then I would be a little nervous. I would keep busy, you know. Uh, but and I certainly know the potential guys that I uh, I could fight on the other side. But uh, first and foremost, I wanted to go out and play the game, and then uh, make adjustments from there. You know, if we're down, maybe I do something to wake the team up. I would, I would certainly didn't have a problem with initiating things, um, and I had a good feel of when to do it, maybe when not to. Yeah. Uh, but there wasn't many times that, um, you know, I, I turned anybody down when it came to a fight. Uh, that's for sure. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to score goals too. But, you know, people often ask me about the fighting part, and you know, listen, I enjoyed it. Uh, I did. Now. Uh, did the nerves come? Yeah, they came before the game and stuff like that. But once I got going, you know, it's, you know, you're fighting to win. And I didn't have a problem responding to anything out in the ice at any time. And, you know, it, it was something that, like I said, it was just in me. But um, as far as winning a fight and getting the edge, that felt good. And a lot of people would would say to me, you know, that must have been awesome, just you know, winning a fight. And listen, I, I, I didn't want to lose. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> right. But for me, there was nothing like scoring a goal in the NHL, and it was for me. It was it gave me the most satisfaction. Right. Or making a nice play. Um, that uh, I'm telling you, emotionally for me, it was just it was awesome to uh, score a goal, especially if it was a big goal a goal that put the game out of reach. So it was a winning goal, something like that, or a tying goal. It, uh, it, it was awesome. Well, and, and that kind of leads me into my next, my next question for you with, you know, you, you played a big part in this Montreal Canadiens team over the years that you were there, whether it was fighting, whether it was contributing offensively or making a good play or whatever it may have been. And that allowed some of the other players around you to be able to play to their strengths as well. I mean, obviously you had some, as you said, Hall of Famers around you. And you guys eventually made it and won the Stanley Cup, beating uh, Calgary in four, like four to one. Um, and I, I know, unfortunately, you didn't get to play in that final game. But what was that? What was that feeling like? I mean, you you quite literally fought your entire career to get to that point. 
whether that was physically or, or just the way that you played, you know, how, what was it finally like to get your hands on that trophy and to, to get that ring on your finger? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, it's what I, I wanted. Uh, first of all, you get, you want to get here and then you want to win everything, get that opportunity. And to do it with the Montreal Canadiens was awesome. It was the highlight of my career. But um, that last game, going back to it, ultimately it was a fight that I got injured in. I tore ligaments in my ankle. Um, you know, I tried to play. I tried to freeze it. Um, I, I was willing to play. They they weren't willing to let me. They yeah. watched me skate warm. I missed the final game. And, you know, I, honestly, I was as happy as I was. I was a little bummed out, too, because I – I wanted to be on the ice. Of course, of I course. I wanted to grab that trophy with my uniform on, not a suit, you know? Yeah. So I know guys put on their uniforms today and they go out, but it's still, it's not like playing. And uh, that final game, it was a tough one for me, but I got through that and um, certainly uh, realized that I had a big role in uh, that team as far as getting to that point. Uh, it's a shame I couldn't play the last game. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I can, I can only imagine, or I, can, I can't even imagine how you might have felt, you know, after giving so much. And it's not that you didn't, you know, you still realize that you contributed so much and they probably wouldn't have gotten to that point without you. But, um, you know, it's definitely an unfortunate thing. But it's so it's so great that, you know, your, your name's on the cup and nobody can take that away from you. Yeah, it's nice to have it there. A lot of great players who played the game that never even got to the Stanley Cup final. Right. You know, and uh, when you get there, you think you're going back. But, boy, uh, that's an eye-opener. It's so difficult to get there. And um, certainly in this day and age, it's even more difficult to get there. Uh, when you look at the number of teams, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, a, a thing for the faint-hearted, if you will. Right. It's, it's a long haul, and, um, you know, as much as you think you have that team that wins it once, one year, and you can get back the next, it's extremely difficult. So after after that season, you played parts of two more seasons with Montreal before you were traded to the Rangers, and then inevitably you, were, you ended up back in Boston. So yeah. I, I guess my question is, about Boston, was that sort of like a bittersweet moment or was that kind of like a dream come true for you? Well, it was a dream come true, but it, yeah, when I look at it now and I look back and in, in, in the reality of it was is I was 34 years old. I was, you know, well, when I got there, I think I was 32, late 32, almost 33, and I was beat up pretty good. I got injured quite a bit. I broke my arm a couple of times. I hurt my knee again. Um, you know, I broke my ankle when I was in Boston, but that's another story. But, you know, I was beat up a little bit and it was, it was near the end. And that's difficult to come to grips with when you're an athlete. Um, uh, coming to the realization that you've lost uh, a little bit uh, as far as your fastball, you know, that dreaded half step. And I was getting it. And uh, I still did my job. You know, I fought for my teammates. I, I played to the best of my ability at the time, but it was a little late. And uh, I still remember the first night there. It was um, quite a night to um, uh, come home to the hometown crowd who certainly 
was against me when I was in Montreal. <laughs> but I remember that night, uh, Ray Borks, and I said, God, relax. You're all nervous. You've been in the league long enough. You should be. I said, well, yeah, I'm just a little nervous about how this the fan base is going to react when I come on. He said, oh, come on. They're, they're going to accept you just fine. And they did. I'll never forget coming out that night. Uh, it was quite a feeling for um, a kid who was certainly the villain who grew up in Boston, and then you come home and they accept you like they did. Uh, it's a, a moment, honestly, in my career I'll never forget. You know, it's funny because there's a lot of players, I think, in the league that are like that even currently. You know, players that you hate to play against, but if they were on the other team or if they were on your team you're rooting for, you'd love to have them. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's, a great, that's great advice from, from Ray Bork to basically tell you, like, look, you're, you're here now. You're home. This is they're gonna love you because they know the type of player you are, and and the best part is we don't have to play against you anymore. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I knew that for sure <laughs> uh, because it wasn't fun to play against, and that's the way it should be. I mean, you know, uh, I always admired Ray Borks, uh, respected him, but uh, when it came time to play, and I played hard against him, I didn't, I wasn't dirty against him. Yeah, uh, like most most players. Uh, I, I, I usually left the good guys alone. And uh, the one incident I had was with Rick Middleton, which probably if I could have taken one thing back in my career, it was that. But it happened, unfortunate uh, for him and me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've moved past that. I've talked to him about that. And uh, he's cool with it. Uh, I'm cool with it. It's behind us. Uh, we've long since made up and uh, are actually friendly uh, to each other today. So for those people who don't know what you're talking about, could you explain that just a little bit? Well, as an incident, uh, we'd come together in the corner, stick him up, hit me in the helmet. I wasn't too happy with it. Um, I don't think he really remembers that incident, but if you watch the game, you can see it in the corner. There was no penalty called, and I was kind of pissed off at the referee. <clears throat> and him a little bit um and he was coming back up the ice and i turned back at him and i had my stick in my glove my top hand was over the top of my stick the way i usually carried my stick and i turned back and i hit him right in the jaw with my glove the back hand of my glove and i jawed his false teeth loose it went through his lip and he was bleeding and i knocked him dizzy a little bit and and um it wasn't soon after that that Jay Miller got called up. Um, it's not like they didn't have enough tough guys to begin with, but they called Jay up too. So they had Curran, Miller, uh, you know, all of them. So, you know, it was just another guy to fight when Jay came up. But, yeah, so I got suspended eight games for that. And, uh, yeah, I paid the price. And, and I paid the price on the ice too, uh, which I was willing to accept, and I did. You know, I don't know if there's many. I, I don't know that that there is many sports in this in this world where a situation like that could happen. Aside from maybe boxing or MMA, where y you know a situation happens and then the chaos ensues after it, and then people can tend to be friends down the road or you know talk it out and become acquaintances. And it's just you know, hockey's a completely different breed of sport, and and it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's, it's Again, it says something about the hockey players. They play the game. Things can happen. Guys understand uh, that things can happen out there. Yeah. Uh, 
contentious against Leia and, uh, you know, uh, if you're able to put it behind you, all the better. I, believe me, stuff happened over my career. I don't hold it against anybody. It's the game. Right. Um, it's the way it goes. Move on. Uh, don't hang on to stuff. Sure. So after playing two seasons with Boston, um, you, you were traded back to Montreal to sort of end your career. So, you know, we've seen this happen in the league before. It's not something that happens all the time, but obviously players do tend to go back to teams sometimes. So we, we've seen it with a handful of players. But what was that like to be able to go back to, for your hockey career, go back home and play out the remaining, you know, few games there to sort of end the career and, and do it in front of the fans that, you know, loved you so much? Yeah, well, I was happy to come back, really happy. Um, you know, they put me on waivers to Bruins, um, and Serge, the guy who traded me, uh, Serge Savard, picked me back up um, late on that uh, uh, waiver wire day. And it was a trade deadline, and I was put on waivers uh, the night before. No one picked me up, and Serge didn't want to pick me up because right away because he thought somebody might step in front of him, somebody lower in the standing. So he waited to the absolute last 30 seconds and made the move and brought me back. Uh, it was awesome to come back. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I never wanted to play for another team. Yeah, uh, I was so emotionally invested in Montreal. I was so grateful to have, to have the opportunity to play there. And when I got traded, it almost broke me. Uh, I didn't allow it to, uh, you know, and I, um, I, and I, honestly, I don't know how guys can do it. They get bounced around all the time. I, I guess I'm a little different as far as that goes because I, I was so, like I said, emotionally attached to this team. I loved everything about it, and I never wanted to like put on another jersey. I didn't, and although I did, like I said, I still did my job. And I was there for my teammates, but I was never quite the same player when I left here. Wow, that ma- that makes sense. I mean, you played there for so long, or so much of your career, and not to mention starting there. You know, if you had started somewhere else and then was traded there, it might have been a little bit different. But that's who gave you your shot, and that's who to who really, you know, taught you, as you said earlier, you know, how to be a more well-rounded player. You sort of learn more about hockey from going there. So it's totally understandable that that would be the case. Yeah, and it was. And it was nice to come back, believe me. Uh, I kind of came full circle and was able to retire uh, with the jersey on that uh, I never wanted to take off. So that was, it was, it was uh, I guess, a, a fitting end to my career. Yeah, Absolutely. So I know we don't have a lot of time, but there's one last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, um, and, th- and it's about post-career in hockey. And sort of, I mean, it's no it's no secret that um, after hockey is kind of when another fight had started for you and you, you had some issues with, with substance abuse and things like that, but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about now. I want to talk about how you've overcome all of that and how you are now taking what you have, your experiences, and and sharing them with others and hoping to teach other people and, and give especially youth some experiences that you've had to sort of steer them in the right direction, which I think is, you know, absolutely amazing. So 
I just want to talk about kind of what you are up to now. I know that you have your own radio show and, and I don't know what, what COVID's like right now for, for public speaking, obviously, but you know, what's been, what's been going on post hockey? Well, that's all dried up, you know, with COVID, the, the, the alumni games, all the speaking engagements, that's all dried up. Yeah. Uh, as far as, um, as far as what happened to me and, uh, substance abuse and that stuff, uh, I addressed it. I was able to, um, get in a place where I live each day, uh, sober as a sober man. Uh, I'm able to share my experience, my strength and my hope uh, with others. Uh, so I'm able to, um, uh, keep living the life I'm living today. Uh, you know, I, I, I certainly value and cherish my life today. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy that I overcame, um, my drug addiction, I've got it to the point where it's now in remission and uh, I'm able to go through my days and enjoy my days where before I was just basically surviving and uh, I'm living life again. I enjoy it. Like you said, I got radio show here in Montreal. I enjoy doing on a daily basis. Um, uh, it's been fun. And uh, yeah, I'm around the game. Uh, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm back here in Montreal. I miss home uh, sometimes, and uh, it, I miss miss my family mostly. Uh, that's the worst part about living up here is I don't get to see my kids, my grandkids, my mom and dad as much as I would like. Thank God for Zoom. Thank God for yeah. FaceTime. Right. Uh, yeah. So that it makes it a little bit better for me. But uh, yeah, this pandemic has made everything worse for for everybody. Uh, in the world, so I'm just trying to get it, get through each day like everybody else. Uh, but the difference between now and then is uh, I'm a sober man, and for that I'm extremely grateful for the people who helped me find my way. And and it's amazing because you know I, I'm I am very very thankful that you're here talking to me today to give me you know give me some insight on your your hockey career and your post hockey career. It's it's been great and. You know, I really appreciate you taking some time. And, and I did, you know, I, I wanted to say, too, that I've been, over the last week or so, I've been reading a lot of your book, um, which I highly, yeah. I, I could yeah. not, I could not recommend enough for people. If you have any interest in anything that you've heard today, please go pick that up. It's called Fighting Back, and it is, it's it's a great read, and um, there's so much more in it that, you know, we, we unfortunately don't have all the time in the world or else I would talk about every chapter with you. So, um, you know, please sure. definitely pick that up. Well, Andrew, thanks uh, for the kind words. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good luck to you uh, in the future here with your uh, podcast. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and, you know, hopefully we can, we could talk again at some point and uh, you know, stay safe out there. Good stuff. Andrew. Thank you, pal. Didn't see it